G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Back again talking AFL fantasy with round 13 officially in the books. There's 10 rounds of the fantasy season left and honestly my season is pretty much done and dusted. After all this carefully well thought out by planning, uh, things kind of turned to crap for me on the weekend but that's okay. I'm still here, uh, glass half full approach but yeah... The large fries and coke season is uh, almost down the toilet. Hopefully, you're listening to this podcast in a much better mindset. Going to change things up a little bit. From now on, I'm going to do the round wrap-up on Tuesdays. So I'm recording this on Tuesday. Hopefully, you're listening to it on a Wednesday. I'm going to try and get it done late Tuesday night. But I'm going to do it for mainly the reason so that I have a little bit more relevant info um, after the weekend, a couple more team selection issues that might be worth addressing. And I'm going to include a new segment recording the podcast and the video separately. So if you want to check out the Sports by Fry round wrap-up video, of course, you can do that on the YouTube channel. You can read the article at sportsbyfry.com. But this podcast will cover most of the things in the article, not all of them. But again, like I said, I'm going to tweak the format a little bit. So without further ado, let me dive into today's episode. stated this weekend did not go according to plan for me I scored 1689 I can't remember off the top of my head what I scored in the buy rounds last year but there was a buy round that was about as ugly as this so I only managed to field 17 or barely 17 Ryan Gardner hardly counts 16 players if you take out his 15 what a useless prick oh anyway 16 17 blokes uh, dropped four rookies or had four rookies drop out after teams were announced on Thursday night. So it was a bit tricky for me to try and post a relevant score, but I did have some big ones. Starting in my back line, Rory Laird was good for a 116. I had the vice-captain badge on him, and I ended up locking in his score. I didn't want to go gambling and get seriously burnt because I knew I was going to be undermanned anyway. So I would have probably only gained another 30 or 40 points had I gone for one of the elite guys in my team, so I can't complain too much. Sicily and Brody Smith got their 80s. And the other two rookies, actually, Sydney Stack and Griffin Lowe, who will probably stay on my field after the buy rounds, uh, performed well, 92 and 100 respectively. I'm happily going to welcome Jake Lloyd back into the mix this week, but defence was pretty good. Midfield was all right. 156 from Taranto led the way. He's an absolute gun. I've been crying and complaining about not having Brad Crouch in my team, but I started with Taranto over him, so I can't really be too unhappy with that pick. I opted to trade in Nat Fife over Zach Merritt this week, and technically won that because Fife outscored Merritt by a handful of points, and more importantly, I saved about 60 grand that'll help me with some trade moves that I'll discuss later. The Carlton boys, Cripps and Walsh, on the chopping block for a lot of coaches this week. Cripps has kind of sucked recently. Uh, Walsh, he was good, serviceable, Sitting at a flat 600k now, a lot of people will look to move him on. And Brett Bewley was the other bloke I had in my midfield for a 62. So I only had five midfielders and really two and a half premiums, if you can call uh, Patrick Cripps a half. In the rucks, had Witsy's 84. He's another bloke that'll be moved on by a lot of coaches this week, probably two. Max Gorn, if he took the punt on Wits to start the year. Again, Brody Grundy uh, was sorely missed in round 13 for yours truly. Full forward line this week. I fielded six and had a massive 170 from Jack Billings. Was stoked with that. 110 from James Warple was also great. 
Boak got his way to 100, which was nice to see. Zeeble, a bit disappointing because he was on about 60 at halftime and didn't really finish it out, but hopefully we can see more one 120s in recent times. And then uh, Larky and Ryan Gardner rounded things out. So sub-1700, not great, but I think I'm well poised for a better week in round 14. All right, I'm including a new segment. Like I said, this is called Injury Issues. Now, I tried to come up with a more creative title, but this is essentially looking at some of the team selection things that is relevant, and as the name suggests, looking at players who are under a bit of doubt due to injury this week. So, like I said, you can go to sportsbyfry.com, read the entire list of them, but a few popular ones that I'm going to mention, including Harley Bennell, who could be back into the Dockers' side this week. It's going to be tough to try and squeeze someone out of Frio's outfit considering the way that they're playing, but Bunnell looks as ready as he'll ever be and wouldn't surprise me if he got up. Taylor Adams is still apparently a week or two away from returning to Collingwood's side, so that's relevant for a few draft owners, as is Ed Kernow, who is on the bye this week and rolled his ankle and I think missed a chunk of the game on the weekend against the Bulldogs, so he should be back in round 15. If you haven't heard already, Matty DeBoer is out for up to two months after busting his shoulder, so that's good news for potential midfield matchups. No tagger from a Giants perspective, and maybe good news for Jackson Hatley owners as well. Brody Grundy is probably the biggest name under an injury cloud at the moment. Has a weird neck issue that almost forced him to miss the Queen's birthday game, so... I wouldn't advise trading him if he does miss. You will regret it, trust me. Those people that got rid of him to Mumford or maybe Riley O'Brien probably still don't have him in their sides. It's not as easy as you think to get these guys back in. So I'd advise against trading out Grundy, but hopefully he plays in round 14. Similar can be said with Shannon Hearn. Not in a hell of a lot of teams, but... He's no certainty to return from a hamstring issue. Depending on who you read, there's conflicting reports. And given the fact that the Eagles are on a premiership chase, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him another week on the sidelines just to get fully healthy. They got the Bombers this week at home, so it's not a huge must-win type of thing. So I think Hearn could miss, uh, if he's in your team, though. Nothing. Oh, if he's selected, sorry. Nothing wrong with trading him in. Dan Hanabry is someone who's thrown his hat into the mix after two solid weeks for Sandringham in the VFL, and he should make an AFL appearance any week now. Priced at 430k, he's an interesting bloke that I'll probably talk more about if he is named on the Thursday slash Friday podcast later this week. And the only other real relevant name out there is Tom Libertore, who, bit of good news, bad news, hurt his knee on the weekend, but it's nothing too serious, in quotation marks. He'll only miss four to six weeks. Oh, one more bloke I do have to mention is Tom Rockliffe. A lot of coaches out there are still rocking with Rocky, pun intended, on their benches because he's going to miss again with a hamstring issue. So if you've held him this long, it's such a tricky position to be in with these blokes. Personally, I'm flip-flopped a little bit throughout the year over whether you should trade out injured premiums or keep them or whatever, but you have two trades a week. You may as well use them. I know that there's some blokes like I've just talked about with Grundy that you don't really ever want to get out of your teams if you have them, but I don't think Rocky's in that position. I think he's yo-yoed a bit this season, and if you do have him, you can still turn him into something meaningful, so I'd suggest a trade. All right, the favourite five this week is being led off by none other than Jack Billings, whose huge 170 came as a massive surprise to a lot of coaches. A lot of people flirted with dropping him after a couple of 60s in a row, and yeah, massive career high he posted on the weekend. 11 tackles kind of made up for all his crappy performances in recent times. Hopefully he's still sitting in your team and you didn't 
trade him out like a few people uh, took to Twitter and vented about. But yeah, Billings was fantastic on the weekend, as was Josh Dunkley, who garnered the plus four this round, 158, and a lot of people threw the captain's badge on him. So kudos to those people who did so, relishing his full-time midfield role, spewing that I traded him out in about round four. But yeah, hindsight's a powerful tool. I wasn't able to cash in on Dunkley's recent performances. Had 62 in the first quarter as well. So he can score in bursts, can score consistently, and looks like one of the must-have forwards if you don't have him already. Plus three is going the way of Josh Kelly, who... I'm going to say it is the best player in fantasy right now. I made the call in the preseason, and he's looking just like it. Hasn't gone under 120 in his last five games. Had 148 on the weekend. Was, I think, the most popular captain choice for a lot of people who didn't take the vice-captain loophole option. So he's single-handedly vaulting some coaches up the rankings. And if you can get him, even though he does have the buyer this week, I'd probably advise against bringing him in this week. But, yeah, he's must-have property. What can I say? Similar could almost be said for his teammate, Tim Taranto, who posted more points, actually, a 156, but wasn't as popularly owned, hence the reason that he's a little bit under Josh Kelly. Plus two is nothing to be sneezed at, though. Taranto has outscored every single player in fantasy this season. Granted, there are blokes like Gorn and Grundy and Jake Lloyd who have a game up their sleeves and could overtake him, but he looks every bit like a true top eight midfielder right now. And the plus one, I was really tempted to give this to Griffin Lowe. Special shout out to Griff, who I'll talk about a bit later in Trade Tactics. But it goes to Riley O'Brien, who a lot of people have cashed in already, but genuinely looks like he's going to stay in the Crows' side for the rest of the season. If you are stuck with two starting Ruckman and O'Brien on your bench, then I'd highly suggest moving at least one of them on and cashing them in. Don't really know the right call, honestly. It would depend a little bit on your personal structure, but... ROB is probably going to hold Source Jacobs out of the lineup after Adelaide's buy, and starting him on your field is a bit risky, but you can't really argue with his numbers. The frustrating five can only start one way. The yo-yoing performances of Patrick Cripps are really testing the patience of a lot of fantasy coaches out there. Had a plus five performance in the weekend before, round 12, and then another negative five performance in round 11. So... Honestly, I still subscribe to the idea of holding your premiums. He had 150 the week before, let's not forget, but I can totally justify moving him on as well. It does depend a little bit on a lot of people's structure. His buy has arrived, so I can't blame you for wanting to cash him in. But like I said, I still think it's wise to hold him, and that's my mantra at the moment. But yeah, Cripo really needs to lift. He can't be averaging 80s for the rest of the way, that's for sure. Another bloke who's kind of disappointing and had a bit of a hot start and was emerging as a trade target was Jager Amira. Negative four goes his way this week. He's posted just two scores over 110 in his last six games, and it's wise to hold him during the buys. But if you do have him, I think it's also wise to come up with a bit of a succession plan because he's got the Swans, West Coast, and Magpies in the next three weeks, which isn't exactly the smoothest run. Negative three is going the way of Jack Zebel. Like I said, only finished on 82, was sitting on about 60 at halftime and only had three touches in the entire second half. Spent a little bit too much time up forward for my liking. So if he was in your post-buy trade plans, I'd uh, bookmark that and keep an eye on him. Hopefully it's only a small blip on the radar for owners, but if he keeps spending more stints of time up forward, he might have to go. Emerging as a unique trade target, throughout parts of the season. Braden Fiorini gets the negative two, somewhat a bit unfairly, for an 85. It is a bit of a far cry from the 120s and 130s we've already seen him produce, but against St Kilda, we're expecting a lot more, and 
These type of uniques can't be affording to drop an 80 if we genuinely want to take the punt on them. Granted, that's probably what keeps them as uniques and avoids some people trading them in. But considering he's going on to his buy this week, it's wise to just give him another week or two and see how he goes. And more of these lesser outings could take him out of trade calculations. Rounding out the frustrating five, again, a bit harshly, but Basha Hooley, only an 88. We've been accustomed to some amazing scores from Basha, and he was probably the most popular vice-captain loophole choice, so there are a lot of people who were left wanting more. I wouldn't go doing something stupid like trading him out, but hopefully the neg one just uh, reminds him that he is in the top handful of defenders, and we really need him to produce consistently. I think he's averaging about 107, so again... This is a bit harsh, but uh, yeah, got to lift Basher. Hopefully after his week off, he'll be back to his 110 plus. All right, trade tactics. A few blokes that you might want to target this week include Jack McRae from the Bulldogs with Tom Libertore set for a stint on the sidelines. I'm, it wouldn't be surprised if more points flow from McRae. I've been saying it for a few weeks now, and I think McRae was always going to bounce back in some form. He was playing a bit of a weird role, so it was alarming, but we saw what happened with Josh Dunkley, and I think, who's the uh, dog's coach? What's his name? Luke Beveridge. I think he'll uh, keep McRae, hopefully, closer to the midfield with Luber out now, so 140 he had on the weekend. He's under 700 grand. This is as cheap as he's ever going to get, so if you want a midfield upgrade, maybe for Sam Walsh, who's someone that I'm looking at doing, then by all means, this is a fine manoeuvre. Tommy Stewart is another value play this week who I have my eye on. He's got a pretty high floor, even though he's strung a lot of 80s together in recent times and does have a bit of a favourable run coming up. So he's priced just a tick over 600k and could help people get another big dog in their back lines. Speaking of Geelong's upcoming run, another bloke that I really like this week is Mitch Duncan. I'm always against trading in blokes who pay cost you top dollar, but you got to get them into your team at some point, right? Mitch Duncan is a hair under 800 grand and looks like he's going to be one of the best midfielders until season's end. A lot of people will try and use that money to maybe do another move and get Max gone, but I've got nothing wrong with coaches trying to target Mitch Duncan instead and rounding out that midfield. On the cash cow and rookie front, we aren't usually accustomed to seeing many 100s with an even smaller percentage of uh, rookies pulling it off in their first game of the year, but that's exactly what Griffin Lowe did on the weekend. Rose, another 30 or 40 grand, posted triple figures and joined a very illustrious group and probably leads the downgrade targets this week, in my opinion. You could maybe justify bringing in Brett Bewley over him after another 60, but I think Bewley's spot in the Dockers' side isn't as concrete as Lowe's now that Alex Pierce is out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, it's tricky, but those two Dockers are definitely uh, good downgrade targets. Unfortunately, you've got to pay up a little bit this week if you want one of these downgrade targets. Other blokes in that mould are Oscar Baker and Dylan Clark, both over 300 grand, and I kind of like Baker a little bit more. Clark's job security has been mentioned too much in recent time for me to justify trading him straight in without any warning. So Baker has a three-round average just under 80, and after a week off, I think he'll uh, go back to, hopefully, a 70-odd. They do have the Dockers, so... He could keep that scoring up. We will know Dylan Clark's status ahead of lockout as well because they got the Thursday night contest. So hopefully he makes the trip over to West Coast. But those four, even though they do cost a little bit more, are probably my picks of the downgrade targets this week. Trade out tactics. Like I said, you've got to hold your premiums. Yes, 
even Patrick Cripps. I know the Carlton Bull looked awful in the last month or so, but like I said, he had a 150 just a few weeks ago. So if you really have no pressing issues, I can understand why you'd want to move him on, but he's under 650k, so you can't really turn him into a hell of a lot. It'll cost you nearly 150 grand to get someone like Mitch Duncan, who I've already talked about. So everyone's team's different, though. You might be in a bit of a more luxurious position than myself. So if you want to get rid of him, then I can see why you'd do that. If you're not in a pressing position to trade out a few blokes, you might want to look at moving on some players on their buy. Middle-tier talent like Brody Smith is a good example of some players who will go for coaches this week. I'm going to hold Brody Smith because really, with the exception of his game against the Giants, he hasn't really sucked. He's had a lot of 80s, had a couple of hundreds, so he'll probably be one of my very last upgrades, I think. I'm going to try and get all these rookies off my field, but the same can't be said for Jared Witts, who's starting to bleed a little bit of cash Hasn't strung a huge score together in recent times. Had 84 on the weekend. Look, he's been a great 13-game experiment for those coaches that started with him, and he'll always hold a special place in my heart after uh, getting his way to a pretty reasonable average. Um, if you missed the Sunday sit-down with JLo and myself, I mentioned that Wits has only been outscored by 73 points from Max Gorn this round. Granted, Gorn still has another game up his sleeve, but... He even goes 130. That's only 200 points that that moves cost you. So a great gamble if you own wits, but I think him to Gorn will be a very popular move this week. Another popular move, and a question I'm getting asked about a lot early on this week, is if it's wise to trade out Sam Walsh and Sydney Stack. Both players are on their buy now, and honestly, they look like number one and two best rookies at the moment. Xavier Dersma might be a bit hard done by, and Riley O'Brien is... Also in that conversation, I can't, can't forget about the big ROB, but now that the buy has arrived for Stack and Walsh, I do think it's a good idea if you want to try and move him on. If you're getting to an uber talent at defender or midfield, maybe you've got Stack in your midfield as well, then I give you the green light to pull the trigger. We've got to get rid of these rookies sooner or later. I know Walsh doesn't look like a rookie and Sydney Stack is fresh off a 90, so it does come with a bit of risk. But honestly, if you can get to a superstar player, then you'll soon see their scores and forget all about Walshy and Stack. Some of the cheaper, less more attract, less attractive rookies like Michael Gibbons and Will Setterfield will probably be moved on this week too. Noah Bolter's in that bracket. Liam Baker from Richmond could also maybe be traded out. Similar deal to what I said with Stack and Walsh. If you do have Baker, there's nothing wrong with moving on from those blokes. Again, they've got to shoot out sooner or later, right? Diving quickly into some draft stuff, it's time for Waiver Wire Watch. Now, leading the free agent uh, draft targets this week, in my opinion, is Bulldog Patrick Lipinski, who is sitting in 30% of draft teams out there, so still up for grabs in a lot of leagues. Fresh off a 129, had a couple of 80s before that, and with Libba bowing out for about a month, we should see Lipinski play a little bit more midfield time. If he can keep chewing up those midfield minutes, honestly, he might even emerge as an option in classic. So I like the looks of him. His Bulldogs teammate, Aaron Norton, only in 12% of teams, had a 70 on the weekend. He does have defender forward status. So if you're chasing a bit of versatility, then I think you can justify bringing Norton in, maybe in deeper leagues over some of the shallow competitions. If Shannon Hearn misses any more time and is rested, you might want to take a little bit of a look at Lewis Jetta. Had a 74 against the Swans before his bye. And 
Could be an alright option if you're desperate for some help down back. The potential return of Dan Hanabry also has him on my radar. He's in 23% of teams, so people are acting pretty quickly to snap him up. And it might honestly be wise if you have a flexible bench spot to grab him before teams are announced. And then if he doesn't come in in the next few weeks, you can always try and chase someone else. Lastly, don't forget about Nick Natanui, who has been declared fit to play in the Eagles waffle team this weekend, and he keeps inching towards a return to AFL level. So if you need help at draft, I think, oh, in your rucks at draft, I think that uh, stashing Natanui on your bench could be an almost masterstroke. Last thing, let me go through my pending moves at the moment. So it's time for me to get some serious upgrades at the large fries and coke. I've had very loyal servants like Sam Walsh and Jared Witts perform well for me over 13 weeks, but it's time for them to go. I think I'm going to turn both of them into Max Gorn and Jack McRae, respectively. I am toying with the idea of bringing in Mitch Duncan, which might hamstring me a bit financially, and I'll have to chop a few things around, but those two outs are probably going to happen. Willem Drew's been sitting in my side, not playing for too long, so it might finally be time to cash him in. If Dan Hanabry's named, I genuinely might just take a punt on him and round out my midfield. However, it might also be wise to go down to Dylan Clark, who has a 60 and a 100 to his name, so he could get me a couple more scores and boost a bit more in price before I upgrading him to a true midfielder. But yeah, getting Hanabry, even though it finishes my midfield rookie-wise, I don't know if it's a huge upgrade. So got a couple of things to consider, but yeah, Gorn, McRae, and Duncan are all looming as big upgrades this week. And that's going to do it for another podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in. Like I said, you can check out the YouTube video and my article at sportsbyfry.com if you want any more of this information in depth. You can hit me up with any questions you got on Twitter or Instagram. I will be doing another podcast probably after the draft on Friday to talk a little bit about team selection and look at the Eagles Essendon game. So I think I'll post that probably around midday on Friday. Luckily I got Friday off work so I'll be able to put that into the airwaves. But again, Thank you for tuning in. Make sure if you enjoyed the episode, you leave a rating or review on iTunes. Help me boost up those charts so I can turn this into a full-time career and not post these podcasts and YouTube videos later than I'd like. Good luck in round 14, the last buy rounds. Thank God they're nearly behind us. We can do it. We can get through one more weekend. Until then, though, peace.